Chronicles of the Awakened is an ongoing story-based podcast. It is a work of fiction created and narrated by J.A. Larocque. You can find this podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. Previously on Chronicles of the Awakened, Chase performs retrieval and takes Vincent into his recent memories where he relives the horrible moments leading up to his death at the hands of his own mother. Coming out of it, he is shaken and untrusting. Just then, they encounter a new enemy, Lucia, an evil demonic who has history with Chase. The two stand ready to fight, and in the balance lays Vincent's second life. Chapter 24 Training Day Lucia's bottom lip quivers. It is not from fear, but from excitement. She bites down, just hard enough to draw a drop of blood. Vincent peers from behind the dumpster. His mouth slowly opens as he watches not red blood, but a pale blue substance flow from her lips. The blood-like substance glows as if radioactive. Lucia releases her bite and extends her tongue from her mouth licking the substance. She flashes a menacing grin at Chase. It is clear she is savoring the moment. Learned? <sighs> Lucia questions. What have you learned exactly? Chase ignores Lucia's question. Tightening her grip on the handle of her sword, she is completely focused on Lucia and her minions. Lucia stares into Chase's eyes. She can feel the well of energy within Chase's body. It is much stronger than last she remembered, but her confidence remains unshaken. Why don't we discuss instead what you haven't learned? Lucia says. You stand there ready to kill me, but what you are really doing is preparing to make yet another fatal mistake. Lucia turns her head towards Vincent, who ducks behind the dumpster, frightened to continue looking at her. Lucia senses a buildup of energy within him as well. It is a power even she does not understand. It is that realization that finally unsettles her. Think before your next action, Chase. Lucia says. You remember what happened the last time we met. You say you've learned, but tell me, have you learned from your past mistakes? Chase has blocked out everything around her, including Vincent. Her need for revenge outweighs all. However, Lucia's last words did make their way through to her. Chase considers the fact that what Lucia has just said could be nothing more than a means to distract her, to throw her off balance. Lucia's words and Chase's past actions are intertwined. Her revenge is not just against Lucia's crimes, but her own mistakes as well. Two years ago, 
26 miles outside the former city of Phoenix, Arizona, a single building sits in the center of a massive desert. The desolate road leading to the warehouse is littered with the remains of various military vehicles. The building itself barely stands. Riddled with holes, its fractured walls and torn ceilings can hardly hold the structure together. As the sun settles and the warehouse is engulfed in darkness, streams of moonlight shine through the numerous cracks and shattered windows of the building. Along with scrap metal and broken concrete, a mixture of sand and dirt covers the inside floors. Once used to create weapons of war, the building now rots, a victim of the very weapons it used to create. Conveyor belts lay broken on the floor alongside engineering robots long deactivated and rusting. Pallet jacks of unused materials sit discarded covered in an inch thick of dust. Towards the rear of the warehouse, in its darkest corner, a single point of light appears from the shadows. The quarter-sized orb of light hovers in mid-air, only a few feet from the floor. In a camera-like flash of light, a circular area in space around the orb begins to ripple, like a still lake struck by a stone. The distortion in space intensifies, growing brighter, its pulsating waves of light bathing the room in white. The now fully formed portal sits just inches above the ground, multicolor light pouring from it. A woman steps from the portal. Her jade-colored eyes quickly glances over the warehouse. Standing before the portal, Mia places her right hand on the handle of her red braided sword hilt tied behind her back with a white cloth belt. An identical second hilt sits directly next to it. Her Japanese-style black kimono is wrapped tightly around her small, slender frame. It only takes her a moment to scan over the warehouse, using both her eyes and a supernatural sense that comes from detecting the life energy signatures of demonics and angelics alike. She turns her head towards the portal and motions for the others to follow her. It's clear, Mia says, her voice strong and confident, with no accent to signify her Japanese heritage. Come, we need to hurry. Chase steps out from the portal onto the warehouse floor, her appearance identical to her future self, except for the look in her eyes. Deep within them, anger and a need to fight that Mia has tried to bring under control since Chase became an angelic three years prior. Less tempered and more emotional, Chase holds her sword hilt in her hand at the ready, wanting, waiting to fight. Just behind her, another woman, smaller in size and height to both Mia and Chase, Renee's freckled-covered round face and soft brown eyes do not have the angered look of Chase or the calm control of Mia. With her hands crossed against her stomach, Renee carefully steps from the portal her eyes dart around nervously like a frightened mouse. She is in a defensive, guarded position, protecting herself out of fear. Renee lowers her head. Her shoulder-length fire-red hair falls over her face as she looks at the ground. It is clear she does not want to be there. Chase walks a few feet in front of the group, 
taking in her surroundings with a look of frustration upon her face. Yet unskilled in fully detecting life energy signatures, Chase still relies on only her inherent senses to search for the target of their mission. I don't see him, Chase says, clearly disgusted. Jonathan, you sent us to the wrong place, again. I assure you, I did not, Jonathan replies through everyone's risk communicator. Opening portals to the negative mirror is not a simple matter, I assure you. While there have been miscalculations in the past, I guarantee you, you are in the correct location. His voice sure of himself, almost to a point of arrogance. Jonathan, head of the Angelic Engineering Division, was tasked with finding souls to be retrieved. While his inventions, including the risk communicator and locating abilities, have had issues in the past, he is confident in his revisions. Mia remains silent, continuing to survey the warehouse. Renee takes a careful step forward, remaining close to Mia. Her unsure expression makes it clear this is her first mission. Maybe he's hiding, Renee screeks, her voice light and frail. I know I was frightened back then even though I was not aware of what was happening to me. Y you know? He's here. Mia says with certainty. Jonathan scans, gives us a general location, but it is up to us to use our own abilities to pinpoint the exact location of the soul. Chase, you must remember to use your angelic senses. We do not just search with our eyes and our ears. Here we must search with our life energy. Chase closes her eyes, taking in a deep breath. Remembering Mia's teachings, she understands that in order to become stronger, she must be able to control the life energy within her, which means controlling her emotions. After a few moments of silence, a pleased smile comes over Chase's face. Slowly reopening her eyes, Chase turns to her left towards a series of damaged wooden crates in the distance. I can sense it, Chase says, her voice calmer. It's so... faint. Not just sense, Chase, but feeling, Mia says. Every soul is made from pure life energy. Even within the mirror, this energy resonates, giving off a signal that we can track. Remember that all beings of life energy gives out a specific signature that can be followed by both angelic and demonic alike. It would do you both well to remember that you can tap into that energy signature to find both allies and enemies. Renee closes her eyes, taking in a deep breath of her own. She tries to follow Chase's example, searching for the resonance given off by the soul. However, only a vision of a young man appears to her. Renee's hands begin to shake. Her breathing increases as she opens her eyes in a panic. Mia turns to Renee, feeling a spike in her energy levels. Renee turns her head away and bears that she is unable to track the life energy signature. Chase kneels down, touching the ground with the palm of her hand, completely unaware of what had just happened. I, I, I don't, Renee says with almost a whisper. I, 
I can't feel it. It's okay, Renee, Mia says reassuring her. It takes training and experience to sense the life energy of a soul. In the mirror, it is even more difficult because the souls here are weakening. In time, you will be able to distinguish the difference between the natural life energy within the mirror and those of friends and foes. Mia reaches out, touching Renee on the shoulder. Renee turns and looks into Mia's eyes and smiles. Chase stands, returning her hilt to her holster tied around her right thigh. She frowns and walks back towards the others. <sighs> There's no one else here, Chase says, clearly disappointed. Cowards, all of them. This is not about the fight, Mia says, interrupting Chase in a scolding manner. We are here to save human souls, to lead them to the afterlife. That is our primary mission. You need to remember that. Chase crosses her arms in silent defiance. Renee, though unable to feel the presence of the human soul, can feel the power building up within Chase's body. Her will to fight frightens Renee, while by contrast, the power and controlled calm within Mia slightly calms her. Come, let's go, Mia says, motioning to Chase and Renee. Keep sharp. The group's footfalls echoes through the warehouse as they walk a few hundred feet to the grouping of broken and worn packing crates near the rear of the building. Renee quickly scans over one of the boxes. A large black five-pointed star with a green bayonet is painted upon it. Below in large black letters, are the words military provisions. What is this place? Renee asks. What is this symbol? It is the mark of the Alliance military, Mia answers. This was a weapons facility during the global war. Sean told me much of the Arizona desert was used for weapons creation and testing. After the attack on Phoenix, the Alliance moved most of the facilities to Colorado. Renee peers around the crate to find a young man kneeling on the ground. The man, no older than 25, is dressed in a military uniform, matching the same colors as the symbol on the crate. Sean should be here then, Chase says. Wasn't he some special alliance soldier or something? Yes, Mia responds. Sean... He oversees retrieval team operations from the campus. He doesn't go on retrievals himself anymore. Walking closer, Renee spots the same symbol patched on the arm of the man's uniform. Renee kneels down in front of the man and looks into his eyes. The man stares blankly ahead, taking no notice of her. Wide-eyed, it is as if he is witnessing something horrible completely frozen by it. The man's arms lay limp at his side, his knuckles resting on the ground. Renee cannot find any physical damage on the man, but even she can feel something is terribly wrong within him. His mouth slightly open, he appears as if he's trying to call out, but there is nothing but silence. He has the right idea, you know, Chase scoffs, playing no attention to Renee. I'm not saying we shouldn't help people, but these jobs should be left to others like <laughs> Renee, who are not trained to fight. 
Mia frowns, saddened by Chase's words. Despite everything she has witnessed and been taught, Chase's attitude and anger has not changed. Deep down, Mia fears that Chase's lust for vengeance will lead to her downfall. She has seen it happen before. This is not the time, Chase. Mia says, showing only the slightest of annoyance. We have to... Mia turns quickly towards Renee, catching her movements from the corner of her eye. Renee reaches out towards the man, wanting to touch him. It is an innocent gesture. She only wishes to comfort him. But Mia knows coming into contact with him would be a dangerous mistake. In a blink of an eyelash, Mia's eyes glow brightly. An aura of light surrounds her body. She focuses on Renee's hand, moving closer to the man. Time slows to a crawl as Mia's entire body radiates, glowing from beneath her skin. Her flesh disintegrates, leaving a body of pure white energy. With just a step, fast as light, Mia appears in front of Renee. Reaching out, Mia's now flesh-covered hand grabs hold of Renee's wrist. Time returns to normal. Renee's head snaps backwards as the flash of light momentarily blinds her. Shocked and surprised by Mia's appearance, she falls backwards. I I'm sorry, Mia says. I didn't mean to frighten you, but you cannot touch him. Renee looks up at Mia, astonished by the display she has just witnessed. Chase crosses her arms and slowly walks over and stands next to the man. Mia gives her hand to Renee, helping her return to her feet. That was a light speed movement, wasn't it? Renee gasps. All I saw was a flash of light and, and then you grabbed me. Yes, Mia answers. I only used it because if you would have touched him, it would have begun the retrieval process. You would have channeled some of your life energy into his and relived the moment of his death. If you had done that, it could have harmed both of you, since you are not yet strong enough to perform a retrieval on your own, Renee. Chase stares at Mia. She too only caught a glimpse of the flashing light, nothing more. Mia's display of ability and power within her only increases Chase's own desire to become more powerful herself. Turning her gaze to Renee, Chase only sees a weakness that reminds her of her own. I'm going to perform this alone, Mia says. Jonathan, keep scanning for any demonic signals. Chase, Renee, keep your wits and cover me until I finish. Mia kneels before the man, placing the palm of her right hand on the man's chest. Both her and his eyes begin to glow. A shield-like aura of white light surrounds them both. The man's mouth slowly closes. They both appear to be in a trance. Renee looks on, as if studying the process. Chase begins pacing up and down. His tag, Renee says, bending over near the man's neck. His name is Francisco Deacon. I wonder if he ever had the chance to find love before he died. Chase spins around angrily towards Renee. What kind of question is that? Chase says. He was a soldier. He fought and killed people, and most likely died defending this place. Who cares if he found love or not? Renee turns away from Chase. She puts her hands together near her stomach, 
and lowers her head. Closing her eyes for only a second, she quickly reopens them, not wanting to see the man from her memories. I care, Renee whispers. That's because you don't know what it means to be an angelic, Chase yells. Nothing in his past matters anymore. Nothing. He's dead. All that matters now is what he chooses to do with his life afterwards. Mia's eyes returns to normal. She looks straight up in the air, letting out a gasp. Francisco's eyes also return to normal. He falls limp into Mia's arms. She gently lays him on the floor and stands. Mia takes a brief look around the warehouse then speaks into her wrist communicator. Jonathan, is Naveen available? Mia asks. I've found something, but it just doesn't seem possible. She and Anna are on another retrieval, Jonathan responds. They have engaged three demonic cells, but there's nothing they cannot handle. But the energy buildup is blocking communications. What did you find? Mia kneels down next to Francisco. Still unconscious, his body twitches slightly every few seconds. Mia rubs her thumb and index fingers together. Her eyes scan up and down his body as she ponders over what she had just witnessed. Can you patch Lola into the comm? Mia asks. When I touched him, I did not see how he died. What I saw was a reaper taking him into the vortex. I could not see who had led him to the reaper, but he was taken. I watched him enter the vortex, then there was a flash of light, and it was over. No! That, that's not possible, Chase says, her voice filling with panic. You can't! You, you can't come back! Once you pass over to the afterlife, you can't! Next week. Chapter 25